0: the shoes that's how he got those half moon marks on his forehead and on his hands answer me rhoda answer me i hit him with the shoes i had hit him with the shoes what else could i but do you realize that you murdered him but it was his fault if he gave me the medal like i told him to i wouldn't have hit him but he shook his head and said no so i hit him the first time but he kept on crying and making a noise and I was afraid somebody would hear him, so I kept on hitting him, mother! I hit him harder that time and he fell in the water.
1: In the history of film, horror films especially, many different types of people have been exploited. Like the crazy old loner that lives by himself, the scorned lover seeking revenge, or the bully teenager that finally gets the courage to murder everyone. But few groups compare to the child with no morals, no fear, and no filter. Get me back my shelves! Today we talk about the origins of Kids That Kill, the highbrow Kids That Kill, the foreign subtleties of Kids That Kill, and the Linda Blair type of Kids That Kill. Today. We are all kids that kill. slums of film history, a lowbrow look into the high art of cinema. Every episode is an in-depth look into a niche topic of film that is not normally discussed in Play Company. I'm Slate. And I'm Tom. And each week, one of us researches
2: our respective topic, writes an episode, and then schools the other. We discuss everything from exploitation to ethnically inclusive street gangs to backwater hick rapists. If there's a film subject too taboo, we haven't found it yet. Welcome.
1: Hi, Tom. Hey, Slate. How are you? Oh, I'm good. How are you doing? Good, thanks. All right, this is kind of the end of season three. Yeah, we're wrapping things up. This is our last recording session until we're done. Four more episodes. Jesus, we've gotten a lot of feedback from this season, right? We
2: have, which is great. But yeah, we've gotten a lot of emails, and a lot of people have asked us some questions, so I figure why don't we... Go ahead and answer some of them.
1: Yeah. Please know that we respond to pretty much everything. So uh, yeah. if you send us an email, we always get back. And we always try to shout you out if we can, too.
2: Yeah. So, so let's do a couple. Which is actually what we're going to do. So I have a couple from Exploitation uh, actually. Awesome. So I'm going to talk about those. I got a, a question from listener Tori. Who asked about a movie called Putney Swope that was directed by Robert Downey Sr.? Yeah, I heard of it. I think I saw it when I was researching, and I, you know, it's, I, I've never seen it. I don't know much about it. Yep. but it came up. Um, but she asked why we didn't include it, and the reason I didn't include that is because it comes out around the time of like Cotton Comes to Harlem, which I did talk about mm-hmm. in the podcast. And so it's like a transitional film. It comes out between the black problem films of the 60s and black exploitation proper. So since it wasn't actually didn't part quite of it, fit in, it didn't yeah. quite fit in. So I didn't mention it, but uh, she was very adamant that it was a great movie to watch. So I'm interested in we seeing it. We should check it, it out. So Sounds we'll, great. We'll check it out. So thanks, Tori, for thanks, uh, giving Tori. us that suggestion. And then uh, another listener, William, he had uh, brought up a couple of things black exploitation too. One he had mentioned that Ela, played by William Marshall, I mm-hmm. uh, love yeah, yeah. he actually turned out to be the king of cartoons from Pee Wee's Playhouse, that TV show. Oh, I remember him. I forgot
1: all about that. That's so funny. Yeah, it it's really an cool. interesting career.
2: Yeah, and he also brought up something which I did research and totally forgot it in the episodes, which was there's a, now a pay service called Brown Sugar, sort of like the Netflix of exploitation. And you can order a service and watch a bunch of urban movies and black exploitation movies and stuff like that. That's amazing. That's really cool. So I actually had that link and I was like, oh, I'm going to talk about it. And I failed. And William called me on it. So thanks, William, for letting our listeners know. I'm going
1: to put the link on the Facebook. Awesome. And so anyway, that's all I've got. Thanks, guys. Thank you.
0: Get me back my shelves!
1: Okay, let's set a few ground rules before I get started. All right, good. Remember that I did Bad Babies, Mm -hmm. and I didn't talk about really anything other than a baby. I didn't talk about kids, I didn't talk about teenagers, I only talked about like little babies. So today I'm only talking about kids, and I'm gonna set the ground rules saying that that means people before puberty so once puberty settles in that is is kind of a whole different thing that's like starts to be like teenagers and those movies start to be like we need to talk about kevin or the movie elephant right it's kind of like scary things like because they're real they're real things you know or like that fear movie with marky mark in it remember yeah exactly i don't want to talk about that today maybe Uh, maybe another time sure evil kid movies are are fake for the most part Mm -hmm. and so they're not really as scary no also i'm not going to talk too much about magic or ghost possession today i will obviously (laughs) talk about linda blair and the exorcist yay but like you know how the there's kids in movies like the remake of dawn of the dead Mm -hmm. you know like the little girl that comes in and i'm not really going to talk about that because that's kind of like something that affects everyone and just happens to be kids they just use kids for shock value i'm focusing on straight up like evil kids not possessed by demons or, or ghouls or anything that makes sense yep okay cool I looked back in history to see where the evil kid thing came from, and I'm gonna tell you what I found first before we get into, like, evil kid movies. Okay. Remember how when I talked about Devil Dolls, I was like, here's the history of, like, where it came from? Right. There really isn't one for kids that kill. It's not really a thing. But, of course, I did find a few examples of actual kids that kill. Okay. In history. And I'm gonna tell you about a couple of them to scare you. Exciting. I'm looking forward to being scared. One of the most famous cases was of a little British girl named Mary Bell. Her mother was a prostitute and she had been molested as a child presumably by her mother's customers. In 1968 she was convicted of strangling and mutilating two little boys, one 3 and one 4. That's harsh, man. Yeah, she did this when she was 10 and the second one when she was 11. So she went to jail for like a long time but then she got out as as a young woman and and now and she's still alive. Oh, she's still alive? Mhm. Holy shit! Is she like a you know a novelist or something? She, like she's not. She's oh. not. I knew you would bring that up. Right. But also, and I thought about doing that. That movie was um, Peter Jackson's Heavenly Creatures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they were too old. You know, they're they're, they're yeah, they're teenage teenagers. Girls, yeah, so. didn't fit also remember in my episode about devil dolls that i told you child's play was being blamed for a murder and that was about james bulger who was kidnapped from a mall in the uk by two 10 year old boys so he was like a little kid he was kidnapped Mm -hmm. the boys had been like fucking around in the mall all day and like stealing things and they decided to take a real person so they stole a kid they kidnapped him and they got bored of him and they killed him yeah both obviously went away for a very long time that's fucked up there's security footage from a mall of them like leading him outside Mm -hmm. Also, an 11-year-old in Pennsylvania shot and killed his father's pregnant fiancé, apparently out of jealousy. Damn. And and there was a little kid from India named Amarjit Sada, who killed at least three babies in his village, two of which were family members. He was eight years old. Jesus. And have you seen the Jean Benet documentary? No, I haven't seen the documentary. I mean, I remember the story from forever. It's, it's really good. I mean, obviously, it's kind of like a hard copy of uh, expose sure. thing. But in the end, they basically recreate the case. They all kind of agree that they think that what happened was is that her brother, who's Burke Ramsey, he was nine years old at the time, hit her over the head with a flashlight, you know, by accident and killed her. And they covered it up. I remember and the hearing and the it. Ramseys, instead of losing two kids, you know, obviously Jean Benet, and then him to go away from for the rest of his life, decided to cover it up.
2: I, rem- I remember Ramsey
1: was a kid that killed.
2: To add to that, I think he filed a lawsuit against them.
1: I and... would have too, probably. Yeah. He is a weird motherfucker, though. He's so weird. Yeah. The first major movie to deal with an evil kid was the production code-approved film The Bad Seed from 1956.
0: Oh, yeah. Rhoda's a sweet,
1: perfectly sound little girl. Is
0: father, is she? My daddy! I wish she were mine. Every time I look at her, I wish I had just such a little girl. This has been a terrible tragedy for Mrs. as She's lost her only child. Did you have anything, I don't care how small it was, did you have anything to do with the way Claude got drowned? What well, makes sure you ask that, oh, Mother? Honey. Now look me in the eye and tell me the truth, because I must know. No, Mother, I didn't. So
1: we watched The Bad Seed a few weeks ago. And I want to chat about it a little bit. But let me tell the listeners what it is before, so we don't spoil or anything first. Because I know you had never really seen it or never even really heard of it. No, I hadn't. The Bad Seed was a play in the 50s about an eight-year-old girl that may or may not be a murderer. So long story short, Patty McCormick plays Rhoda, who lives with her mother and is a perfect student, until she gets mad. A student drowns during a school picnic and the penmanship ribbon he had on him has disappeared patty's questioned by a few different people a few different times and it eventually comes out that she wanted that ribbon and there were marks on the kid's body that made it appear that he had been hit in the face pushed in the water and then held down this movie came out in 1956 it's a little crazy yeah it's very crazy then her mom finds out that rhoda has the medal killed the kid and also killed a neighbor back in wichita she starts helping her hide the evidence, but then the simple-minded janitor suspects something, so Rhoda lights his bed on fire with him in it, and he burns to death. This movie was made in 1956. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just still kind of disturbing. I mean, it's very disturbing. It's, yeah. yeah. Rhoda's mom realizes that she is the adopted daughter of a serial killer, so she throws the metal into the lake and then gives Rhoda a bunch of sleeping pills to kill her. Then she shoots herself. <laughs> 1956, <laughs> this movie got made. Yeah. The neighbors hear the gun and call the police. Both survive, but in the middle of the night, Rhoda slips out to the lake to get the medal, and then the shocking ending happens, mm-hmm. which we'll spoiler in a minute. This movie was made in 1956. Right, yes. Okay, let's discuss. The performances are really what made this movie, obviously. Mm-hmm. You know, It's not graphic, of course,
2: because it's 1956. Yeah, they cut away to anything don't see that implies. don't any yeah. actual murder, but... The girl is highly memorable and does a great job carrying this movie as this crazy sociopath freaking little girl. Yeah. She's nuts
1: yeah so i just want to talk about what i find so interesting was that the production code passed this movie right which is shocking that it did it It was obviously based on a play and kind of functions really as kind of a, a one-act play really right so i'm gonna go ahead and spoiler the ending do you think it's okay yeah, fuck it, yeah it's been out since 1956 yeah you should have got it so at the end she goes out to the lake to go collect the metal and basically for no reason at all she gets hit by lightning yeah and she just gets her. struck by lightning and then it's like the end the and yeah <laughs> so So abrupt and out of nowhere which is really weird because obviously in the play that didn't have production code standards she gets the mother dies and she gets away oh yeah so but in the movie the production code mandated for every movie that if somebody did something wrong they had to be punished for it in some way and they didn't have any way to punish her so they just made her get struck by lightning and then the really interesting thing to me is at the end of it just because the movie was just so shocking at Mm -hmm. the time and so dour and and negative that just like in a play they have all the actors walk out onto the stage and it like shows their names shows that they're actors and then Patty McCormick and her mother come out together and then her mother starts spanking her and, and they're, they're laughing. like laughing yeah. and they're like ha 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 and what do you call it when all the theater actors come out and take a bow it was yeah it was like their was take that, a bow moment yeah. from a play except it was in a movie but they did it to like lighten the mood of it was this movie dark. about a girl who's a serial killer got struck by lightning right yeah and and everybody's life was ruined and here's the thing too they
2: did play it up like it was gonna go that way in the movie too, like the play did. In other words, after the mom shoots herself, it shows the hospital and they talk about, oh no, what happened? And then you realize the girl survived and they don't let you know the mother survived until like a little bit later. Right. So you're left thinking everybody died at first and then yeah. you're thinking, oh, the girl survived. Oh great, the crazy girl's still alive. Then the mom's dead. Yeah. Then you find out the mom's still alive and she's got like a bandaged head and then it goes which to that is kind of ending.
1: Which was kind of attacked on. I mean, obviously the original right. ending was that the mother dies and then yeah. she gets away. So so it actually got four Oscar nominations. Yeah. The, the drunken mother of the little boy that dies got mm-hmm. an Oscar nomination, which now it's kind of an over-the-top performance, yeah. but probably at the time, that was a very... She played a drunkard and played it Here's to, the thing.
2: Uh, yeah. Well, that's still that transition of naturalistic acting, and but mostly stage type of acting. Yeah. And also she did a good job in pieces like some of it was way too ridiculous so it was inconsistent but i could see where some of it was like oh wow she's doing really good but then in the next scene she's like over the top so i think it's just hard to translate it's a neat transition in that time period to see how people are trying to morph acting from stage
1: to screen so the bad seat was actually remade in 1985 as a tv movie i can't find it anywhere it's like this thing does not exist so any if, stills or anything from I it? I couldn't f- I couldn't really find anything about it. So if any listeners have seen the remake, the 1985 TV movie remake of The Bad Seed, please. And it's under that title. It is. Okay. It would take another 4 years to see another fucked up kids movie, and this one was the British film The Village of the Damned from 1960. Oh yeah. Village of the Damned was originally supposed to be an American MGM film, but they were getting a lot of heat for anything that depicted not kids that kill, but anything that was considered to be immaculate conception. Oh. Isn't that a weird twist? That is mm-hmm. a weird twist. I didn't see that coming. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Get it?
0: yeah me back!
1: So they sent it to the UK. It's basically about a phenomenon that causes a small village to conceive and birth a group of children that have telepathic abilities and also all look the same with platinum hair and scary eyes. Creepy. The movie was a pretty big hit and is still seen as one of the most of the original horror movies from the 60s. It also kind of continued the notion that bad kids are born that way, kind of like Rhoda from The Bad Seed. Yeah. There was a thematic sequel called Children of the Damned from 1964, which was similar, but instead of even... Evil little alien kids. The kids were more of perfect kids of the future that society couldn't really recognize. It kind of had a Jesus was put on earth to save everyone and we just murdered him instead kind of feeling. Hmm. They killed the kids at the end of this one too, so. Oh, lovely. The next movie really goes more into the nature of humans, especially kids when they don't have rules. That movie is, of course, the 1963 adaptation of William Goldman's book, Lord of the Flies. Oh, yeah. yeah. Have you seen this recently? Not recently. It's been a while. Yeah. There's also a 1990 adaptation that isn't as good, but, like, the movie Lord of the Flies is fucking nuts. Yeah, it's bonkers, if yeah. I remember correctly. Long story short, because we all had to read it in high school, a group of British schoolboys get plane wreck ship, ship, plane wreck shipwrecked? Well, it, the plane crashes. They're on a plane and it crashes, right? right. Plane so, wrecked? Does that mean it's plane wrecked? Yeah. You're lying. Yeah, I'm
2: sure. On sure. The de-
1: te- technical term is plane wrecked. Okay. They get plane yeah. wrecked on a desert island and have to figure out how to live on their own. They kind of split into two groups, one that is trying to keep order and rules and one that are a bunch of savages that want to hunt and run wild. Mm-hmm. They end up killing a kid kind of by accident and then another one on purpose and are about to kill the last remaining civil kid when the army discovers them. <laughs> mm mm-hmm. And is one of those movies that if you haven't seen the original version, it's a must see. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, I
2: saw it in high school,
1: yeah. it's a And now it's a Criterion movie, but, you know, it's black and white, beautifully directed. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of, and I did the research on this, because there were rumors, like, back when we were in high school, college, that the kids that were in the movie, the actual kids, they just let them run rampant and do whatever they want, and now hmm. a bunch of them are in a mental institution. No, that is funny. not true. No. I was kind of, like, all excited, because I was like, I'm gonna find out about these kids that are in a mental institution they're all fine right yeah urban legend there in retrospect i think a lot of them looked back on the movie and didn't realize how crazy it was when it was happening so mm-hmm. they like look back on the movie now and they're like oh my god these other kids murdered me in like ni- in this 1960 movie and so yeah. they're i think a little traumatized by it later on in life you know yeah, realizing yeah. That this happened so anyway great movie yeah yeah it is a great movie There are a few other less popular kids that kill movies like Spider Baby from 1967. (laughs) Spider Baby? Spider Baby. (laughs) The Other and What the Peeper Saw, both from 1972. Wow. But the biggest thing to come for kids that kill since The Bad Seed was Linda Blair in The Exorcist. Oh, yeah. We've obviously talked about it a bunch of times, and you and I love Linda Blair. Yeah, and Um, The Exorcist. Yeah. Yeah. We mostly talked about The Exorcist and Satanic Panic, but I want to talk about one specific thing today, which is what we watched a 13-year-old do in that movie, because that was probably the craziest thing about the movie. Yeah, yeah. So here's the list. She pees on the floor in front of a party. Mm-hmm. She swears a lot, including saying the C word. Mm-hmm. She says, your mother sucks cocks in hell <laughs> knew, to a priest. Who's, I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were going to say that. Whose mother just died. His mother just died. And she's like, she's sucking cocks in hell. Right now. That's, that's kind of rude. Yeah, it's pretty so rude. Some of
0: the be to harm her. Your mother sucks cocks in hell, oh, us, She Why? violently
1: masturbates with a crucifix and then rubs her mother's face in her bloody crotch, yelling, lick me. Oh, yeah. LICK <laughs> ME! She grabs yeah. a priest by the balls and pushes him down. She screams, Fuck me, while exposing Fuck herself me. and gyrating to a small crowd of people, including her mother. She projectile vomits into a priest's face. And then ultimately kills another priest. This was very shocking back in the day. You think? And obviously, it's still pretty shocking now, to be honest. Yeah. What do you think about that?
2: It's just I can't even imagine how this movie was released in the early 70s. I mean, I, you know, it's hard to imagine that. And maybe it's just because we're a little more sensitive now cuz some fucked up shit was put out in the 70s crazy, that you're looking at it crazy. now. So maybe we're just all wussier than the 70s. But just I can't imagine audiences cuz this movie was a big hit. Like a lot of people saw
1: this movie yeah. and it just fucked them up. Yeah, it got a lot of Oscar nominations. A huge yeah. success. Yeah. Jesus. So I want to talk about Linda Blair a little bit as a person um, just because she in probably no way was prepared for any of the controversy or any of the stardom surrounding this movie. Not at all. She was one of 300 people who tried out and was chosen because, really, two reasons. A, many of the other parents wouldn't let their kids do those things on screen once they found out, you know, what they had to do. And B, she was relatively unknown when William Friedkin found her. So, he really wanted the movie to seem much more authentic, so he didn't want a child star at the time. Immediately after the film was released, she had to have bodyguards because of the religious fanatics that threatened her for her performance. They threatened a 13-year-old girl. She was nominated for an Oscar, but in the middle, there was a really big controversy because she had a stunt double. And also, the person that did her scary voice, you know, kind of throughout the, the second part of the movie, yeah. wasn't included in the credits. Hmm. So, that kind of became like a Screen Actors Guild thing. A lot of people were like, you know, this person should be credited. Sure. And a lot of people say that that's the reason why she didn't end up winning the Oscar. Hmm instead the oscar went to tatum o'neill for paper moon which made her the youngest person to ever win an oscar she was 13 years old when she won so so linda blair lost that to another child actress who was even younger that must have hurt you know that must have that must have burned her because none of those things were her fault no you know
2: no not at all it had nothing it wasn't based on her performance at all right you know to make matters worse that
1: was it for her she had peaked at 13 yeah, yeah. Most child actors have a hard time making it as an adult actor, but especially if they have one huge movie at any early age, it's like they can never get a second chance to do like a better job than they did the first time they had that chance. Linda Blair made a few more movies in the 70s and was even in The Horrible Exorcist 2, which may be the worst movie ever, but was actually kind of the beginning of this podcast.
2: Yeah, that's true. Actually, that was. that
1: was yep. the, uh, That's our origin story is because of Linda Blair. Yep. Linda Blair. Then she was arrested for what appeared to be drug trafficking in the late 70s. I think this was a very minor offense, but they still have to call it drug trafficking. Like, she wasn't, like, smuggling cocaine to Mexico or anything, but, you know. Then she made a ton of low-budget, shitty horror exploitation films, one of which was Savage Streets, which is one of our favorites. Yes, and we will be talking about that in upcoming episodes. Very excited. Yep. She never really got past the movie and usually appears in Exorcist-related stuff. Sure. I love her, but she, she must have had a tough life. Yeah. Well, remember Caged Heat. I talked about it in LGBT Psychopaths because it was a women in prison movie. And I mentioned it briefly in the Nazi episode. So, yeah. We should yeah. do a whole episode on the films of Linda Blair. Maybe I'll do that. You should. I yeah. think you should do that'd that. That be, be nice. one of your
2: biopic episodes. should Uh yeah, maybe so. Maybe
1: instead of doing a director, I'll, I'll pick an actress. I think that'd be awesome. She's got a good catalog. I mean, it's a bad catalog, but, but it's in, awesome. a, in a good way. Yeah. Yeah. So the main reason I did this episode was because I saw the movie called "Who Can Kill a Child" from 1976 a year or two ago, and was shocked that I had never even heard of it. Considering it's now one of my top favorite movies of all time, have you seen this? No, you told me that I needed to watch it, and I guess you're gonna let me borrow a copy or whatever. Because yeah. Have I, you
2: ever even heard of it? I've heard of the title, but yeah. I don't know shit about it. And I've heard good things about it because you know just word of mouth. But I. Don't know anything about it
1: so who can kill a child opens up on a mondo montage of the effects of war on kids it transitions to a young pregnant couple that travels to an island off of spain where the guy used to go as a kid when they get there they have a hard time finding any adults and the kids are all acting really weird eventually they realize that the kids have killed all of the adults and are coming for them too i'm not going to spoil the ending because it's pretty shocking but there is a scene where kids hit a hanging dead adult body like a pinata this movie is fucking nuts and I can't recommend it enough I really don't want to spoil it for you I don't want to spoil it for you the don't, audience I'm gonna, I'm watch this it. is one of those rare finds where you're just like this movie exists and is amazing and I want everyone in the world to see this so if you take anything away from this episode please get a copy of Who Can Kill a Child and watch it it's yeah. well worth it
2: now that I'm done you know researching and we're recording these last podcasts I have time to watch movies again yeah. that aren't podcast related so yeah I definitely
1: want to check that out Good. so don't spoil it the omen from 1976 borrowed some rough elements from the exorcist but this time the devil didn't possess a child it is a child rough plot a couple has a baby but it dies a doctor convinces the father to take an orphan baby that's mother just died and he decides not to tell his wife they name him damien and as he grows up weird things keep happening zoo animals are scared of him his nanny hangs herself at his birthday party which is a total downer he pushes his mother down the stairs and she miscarries. Long story short, you realize he's the antichrist, kind of like a la Rosemary's Baby, mm-hmm. and they find the number 666 on his scalp. Do you remember the ending? Um, I'm trying to remember what happens at the ending. So the father is like a US diplomat or something, and he's dragging the kid to a church, I guess to do some type, I don't know, throw a holy water or something. Mm-hmm. But a cop sees him and he's basically like kind of beating up this kid who's the devil. Oh yeah. yeah. And so the cop shoots the father. And then the kid damien ends up living with the president of the united states because his father and the president you know he was a diplomat so they were friends oh, that's so right. he that's ends right. up being basically the president's son and he's the devil
2: yeah i forgot i forgot all about that part of it
1: yeah the omen was crazy successful and critically acclaimed so of course there have been eight million sequels mm-hmm. damien the omen 2 in 1978 and omen 3 the final conflict from 1981 yep course you know when a sequel has the final in it then that means another one's coming up mm-hmm. so a tv movie in 1991 called omen for the awakening and then another in 1995 then the remake with liv schreiber and julia styles in 2005 oh yeah so the remake on a budget of 25 million it made 119 million really? so there's probably going to be another omen oh, great out very soon
2: So, I talked about The Omen briefly in Head Trauma because it also contains one of the best decapitation scenes in all cinema, which is basically a a guy gets his head cut off with a sheet of glass. Yeah, so cool. And it's in full 70s film technique where they show it again in
1: like five different angles in slow motion. Yeah,
2: So, it's great. (laughs) They really got their money's
1: worth with that shot. I want to get to the 80s since there are some good ones, so I'm just going to speed through the rest of the 70s. Sure. There was Alice, Sweet Alice from 1976 and Dead of Night from 1977. This doesn't technically qualify because she's a little too old, but in The Little Girl That Lives Down the Lane from 1977, it was actually an early movie of Jodie Foster's. In the movie, she's 13 and lived alone in a house in Maine. It's kind of a mystery to why she lives alone, but some people die along the way. Oh, okay. Have you ever heard of this movie? No. I know. I, I watched it, you know, a couple years ago. There's a story there. Right. Because, sure. interesting choice for Jodie Foster. It's also kind of a very sexualized movie. Like, every time an older man or even she kind of like has a boyfriend in the movie or ends up with a boyfriend you know guys like oh you live alone and she's like yep I'm a 13 year old girl And and then a guy would be like well I'm gonna try to have sex with you and it was like is that the reaction that you have when you see a 13 year old
2: girl a lot of these seventies movies were very sexualized, and you gotta remember one of her first film
1: roles of Jodie Foster was She's a hooker a and taxi driver. Totally, so totally fair. Um, yeah. I'm gonna get to the bottom of this a little bit though and dig down because okay. I have a friend, Elizabeth, who knows a lot about Jodie Foster. She I think has read all the Jodie Foster books, and I'm gonna figure out what the whole deal with the little girl that lives down the lane is. Oh do that. I'm curious to find Elizabeth, out. Elizabeth, I'm coming for you. All right. <laughs> There was also a movie called The Child from 1977, okay. and I want to talk about this next one for a second, because it's the movie Halloween from 1978. Mm-hmm. You know, Michael Myers killed his sister when he was a kid, yeah. and then, of course, the whole rest of the movie happens when he's an adult or uh, an older... He's like a teenager, right? Probably in his 20s, okay, I think. Okay, yeah. So, I haven't seen Halloween in a really long time. They show him killing his sister in a flashback?
2: They... Sh- it's at the beginning of the movie. They show him... And actually, they show it from his point of view, so it's the camera's point Point of view oh, with, the, with the mask right. on and then he she's stabs, having sex yeah or something and yep. and he kills her wasn't she having sex i'm sure i don't remember that part of it you think i would but i remember that it's a pov a long pov shot of him right. going and stabbing
1: her and then the movie and then starts. it goes to present day yeah, right yeah, yeah. So he was a kid that killed. Yes, he was. We talked about The Brood from nineteen seventy nine. <laughs> Didn't we talk about that in We did, yeah. So yeah. it actually we talked about it in Bad Babies because she ends up having a bad baby, but mm-hmm. there also are kind of dwarf-like children in it as well. Yeah. We talked about it, so I'm gonna keep going. Okay. The movie The Children from nineteen eighty, Bloody Birthday from nineteen eighty one, and then of course your personal favorite, The Pit from nineteen
2: eighty one. Oh geez, The Pit. We talked about that briefly before, and that was a bad movie Monday. Yeah. So The Pit, you want me to talk about? It? Yeah, sure. All right, so the Pit is about this kid. He's fucked up, and he like talks to his teddy bear. He has a teddy bear. You mentioned it briefly in the dolls episode. Yeah. But he talks to his teddy bear, and I guess Teddy tells him to kill or whatever. And as he has this pit in his out in the completely woods, completely unrelated. Unrelated. This pit is in the woods somewhere, and it has these like you know unevolved tro- what he calls logs in there that like human flesh. And so he ends up like occasionally throwing people in this pit right to feed uh-huh, these to feed these things when they piss him off. Or if they bully this kid, he just throws him in the pit. And there was a scene <laughs> where he, you watched it, mm-hmm. and they play it for like funny laughs, because I feel like the music soundtrack and everything, where he pushes some woman in a wheelchair. Oh, yeah. Like an old lady in a wheelchair, and it's its almost like the music's like, you know, might as well Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or like, you know, Benny Hill, like
1: music, you know. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Yeah. yeah, The funny thing about it is this should have been the best movie ever made in yeah, the no history shit. of the world. But it's actually so, the movie is so confused because it doesn't know what it's trying to be. No. It's got elements of, you know, obviously a movie that came out much later. But the, was that movie where the girls all go down into the cave and then all the You're aliens? You're thinking Descent. There? I love that movie. Yeah, it's it's great so movie. good. It's got elements of that. So, I mean, it's a terrific movie. So, yeah, yeah. it's got a talking teddy bear, you know, and it's, even the tagline was like, he loves his teddy until it tells him to kill, you know, right. or something like the that. The poster's it's like,
2: great. It's a 70s looking, like, yeah. evil
1: Kid That's like its own thing that has nothing to do with logs in the no. backyard. Like, the movie's so confusing. <laughs> it it just so had confusing. no idea what it wants to be, but that should have been a great one. It should have been, but it wasn't. And then do you remember that the third story in the Twilight Zone movie from 1983 is about a kid that maybe kills? Right. You remember that kid? Yeah. So a teacher is driving through a town. She accidentally hits a kid on his bike and so she takes him home and when she goes into his house, all of the parents and the family members are all acting really weird around mm-hmm. him and you find out that anything he wishes will come true. So the parents are all, like, kissing his ass or whatever because he's turned his sister... He removed her mouth, and now she's special needs. He basically... He's kind of like a monster, kind of. He's a monster. You know, it's based
2: off the classic episode in the original series.
1: Which episode was that? It's
2: a Good Life, which had had that little kid. I guess he was from... Lost in Space. Mm-hmm. I think it was a kid that was in there, and he played a yeah a kid who could make anything happen, and everybody was like on pins and needles, and he would send them to the cornfield. Yeah, if they yeah. They pissed him off. Which That's right. He'd kill him. Yeah cornfields coming up soon i'm excited about that mm-hmm. but yeah no that's a great uh, episode in the movie and also the original episode is wonderful so if you guys get a chance to watch it i recommend it
1: in the twilight zone it gets a little bit too cartoony for my taste it yeah. like turns into like a lot of like wacky cartoons come to life type of yeah. thing but yeah i remember the ep- the original episode of the twilight zone i feel like did I joe dante that direct better. that that episode in the movie it, it certainly seems like one that he it was wrote, i think it was his. that makes sense yeah So, obviously, Stephen King had a shitload of kids in his movie adaptations, Mm -hmm. you know, Stand By Me, The Shining, Cujo, and some of them are Kids That Kill. I'm going to talk about three of them today. Oh, great. The first is Firestarter from 1984. Oh, yeah. I just watched it again. Have you seen it recently? Not recently. It's very boring. Is I was it? so bored through huh. the whole movie. I was kind of like, oh, this is an interesting plot. And then nothing happens for a really, really long time. And then she kind of blows up some like FBI, <laughs> some like, <laughs> it's like the feds. She like yeah. catches them all on fire and then the movie's over. And I was just like, that was boring I was bored by that yeah and that was also
2: back when Drew Barrymore was like in every Stephen King property yeah and she was strung out on drugs
1: yeah she was nine when Firestarter uh, was released and probably already a three pack a day smoker right and a co The next movie was one of the kids that kill classics, Children of the Corn, from 1884. Have you seen this in a while? I saw, yeah, actually, because I was watching it for some fucking reason. I don't know, research or something. Yeah, it's really something. Yes. Um, Rough plot, a couple are driving to Seattle for the guy's new doctor job, and they hit a kid in the middle of the road. Mm -hmm. They realize his throat has been cut prior to them hitting him, so they go into a tiny corn town in Nebraska to find the police. Among other weird discoveries, they find out that the kids in town have killed all of the adults, and are all running the themselves as a super religious cult that love corn, you can kind of get down with the movie on that level, but then, like, at the end... And I kind of just like lost interest in it. Mm-hmm. Like, Satan shows up, and like, there's these really shitty special effects, and like, the sky turns black, yeah. and like, all of this stuff. And everyone's just babbling nonsense at that point. Mm-hmm. They're like, The Lord of Christ of the Jesus will spurn you in the right. corn of the devils. Ch-. And you're like, What are you talking about? I will send Outlanders amongst you. As Outlanders will be unbelievers and profaners of the holy. Make sacrifice unto him! Bring him the blood of the
0: Outlander!
1: and there's just some really terrible acting I actually thought that most of the kids are terrible actors and and the we special Malachi was the shit but I feel like <laughs> I remember him being the shit and then watching it and I was and just like, like no. Malachi chill chill mm. but I do have to say that as a kid this movie scared the shit out of me yeah. like, well as a story because it's a
2: short story in that Stephen King book just and I mentioned read that it. before yeah. mm-hmm. that was the first Stephen
1: King story I read I think I mentioned that before
2: and I was like oh how scary can Stephen King be I've heard this guy? you know I read some young adult stuff up to that point yeah. but
1: that was the first Stephen King story I read I was like this is scary as fuck. It is scary. Um, I just read it. You actually let me borrow it the last time I was here and I read it on the plane in the end of the original story they both die yeah and then in this of course the the fucking disney ending is you know they get away and then they take the two little good kids that came with them and they all go off and live a happy family and you kill yourself yeah exactly i had forgotten though that the woman was linda hamilton terminator's linda hamilton which uh she was good She was all right she's fine she's she's, you know decent so did you know that there are eight sequels to children of the corn
2: i knew there was like three
1: yeah there are nine children of the movies. Jesus. Nine. Really? <laughs> Shocking.
2: I imagine that they drop in quality significantly. And I don't really think as
1: a movie there was much quality there to begin with. I mean, with, that's so. true too. Yeah. And then one of the ones that I always forget is Pet Cemetery from 1989. Yeah. Stephen King wrote Pet Cemetery years before he ever submitted it to his publisher, since it was completely void of any hope and based <laughs> on some actual occurrences in his family. Yeah. In the story, a small family moves to a new house, and on a walk, the neighbor shows them a pet cemetery. That's Fred Gwynn. I love him.
2: Yeah, yeah, he's great.
1: But farther up the road, there's also an ancient Indian burial ground where the dad buries the family cat. The cat comes back to life, but in a much grislier version of its old self. Mm-hmm. He starts to kind of, like, regret doing it. The cat also smells bad. Right. And then his son gets hit by a truck, so he buries him there as well, and he comes back to life, but in a similar fashion. I'm just gonna say that Gage from Pet Cemetery may be one of the scariest kids that kill of all time.
2: Oh, yeah. Totally scary. Totally creepy. I actually like that movie. I haven't seen it lately. I don't, yeah, me neither. But several things that made it work. First of all, let me back up. This house is on a fucking highway.
1: It's like like this is the worst house ever. This is
2: the worst location Never for having a child. A child. On this yeah, because it's,
1: it's, it's like it's by speeding giant truck highway, and like, there's always the a truck going by. Yeah. Which spoiler, that's how the kid gets killed. Yeah. So the kid gets killed
2: by a truck, but through the rest of the movie, as a visual reference, there's always a truck going by. Right. Which kind of becomes darkly comedic after a while. So, yeah, it, yeah. It, it, so it's an interesting visual cue. Spoiler: they kept the bleak ending of the book. There, nobody got oh, it away. Yeah. You know, it wasn't like there was a happy ending for or anything. Close close to that it was like everybody's fucked right did you are you gonna talk about
1: the variant? No, nope, that was all I got I don't mind spoiling it it came out I think everyone's seen it as an 80s it should movie. Have. yeah it's good from what I remember the kid is fucking bonkers when he comes back right. because he takes his scalpel and he cuts Fred Gwynn's mouth open mm-hmm. and then he bites him in the neck and basically like rips his neck open oh this yeah is like a four-year-old five-year-old kid right and then he kills his own mom and then at the end, the dad sticks a syringe with like fatal drugs into Gage's neck, and the, right. you just watch the kid die. And it takes a couple minutes. He stumbles down the hall, and, just dies. Man, and he's like, "Finally, mm-hmm. no yeah." Fear. and then the husband pulls the wife down he hung her I think pulls her down and then drags her off to the Indian barrel ground to bury her and that's the end of the movie so it's like oh no she comes back she, she comes ends up back. coming back in the final right. like frame of the movie and
2: actually it looks like the kid had cut out her eye because when you see her it's all like a bloody gaping hole in her head and then then it cuts to the end of the movie when she comes to the dad or whatever. Yeah,
1: yeah, nuts, that's nuts. Dark that's nuts. all around,
2: so kudos I, to keeping it that dark.
1: Yeah, I've only, you know, as a kid, when I watched that movie, I probably saw it when I was 12 or 13. Yeah. I very rarely turn off a movie because I'm so scared. And I remember watching that on VHS and stopping it. Wow. And being like, I need to take a little break from this until I can come back. And I think I came back like an hour later and watched the last 10 minutes of it, but I was so scared by yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, scary shit. A few more titles from the 90s. From a Whisper to a Scream, from 1987. Hmm. Beware, Children at Play, from 1989. (laughs) Afraid of the Dark, and the movie Mikey, from 1992. Okay. And then there was the Macaulay Culkin dud, the good son, from (laughs)
0: 1993. (laughs) Henry, come on down
1: here. Behind his
0: smile lies a secret. Here, my two of them, so we could be brothers. Behind his eyes lies a plan. Who is he? Mr. Highway. Wow. What are you gonna do with it? And behind the image of a good son. Coming? So what are you guys up to out there? Sorry, Mom. Top secret. Where are we going? We're here. Lies the terrifying truth. Say
1: goodbye. No! (laughs) (laughs) Macaulay Culkin, The Good Son. I actually saw this movie in the theater when it came out. Um, I did not. But I just watched it again for the episode. Have you seen it? A long time ago and I think I was like, why am I watching this? It's a real turd of a movie. Yeah. Um, Rough plot. Elijah Wood's mom dies and like four seconds later his dad takes him to stay with his aunt in Maine who wasn't in the funeral for some reason. There he meets Macaulay Culkin who kills a dog and causes a car accident. He tries to kill his little sister a couple of times and then tries to kill his mom after she finds out that he did kill his little brother a while back. I think he drowned him in the bathtub elijah wood goes to save the mom he like finds out that she's gonna go kill him and this is one of the most baffling crazy pants do you, do you know what the ending was no i don't remember it so they live on a cliff it's kind of another situation where yeah. you're like why are you raising kids when you live on a cliff like that's not a good place for a house right to have little children <laughs> Macaulay Culkin goes to push the mom off of the thing and they kind of like roll around and then Elijah Wood comes out and then she ends up grabbing both of them as they're falling off of the cliff and she's got one in each hand hanging off of a cliff. And Macaulay Culkin is like, Mom, no, save me. And Elijah Wood is like, No, he's evil. Save me. And she's got to make a decision of which one she pulls up, her own evil son who's a murderer or Elijah Wood who is, you know, her nephew but is not a murderer. And she lets Macaulay Culkin, her son, go. And, like, they did real special effects. So, like, they put him on strings, and they drop Macaulay Culkin off of a cliff. And then he, like, dies. You see his dead body, like, dead Macaulay Culkin's body, like, lying on the rocks below. And it's like, and she saved Elijah Wood. And he's like, I always wondered if she had to make the decision again. Would would she make the same decision, or would she let me die, or whatever? That's the ending to this movie. I forgot about that. First off, that's fucking crazy. That's That's fucking crazy. It's fucking crazy. Yeah. This, movie, this movie exists is it's fucking a, it's crazy. It's the Sophie's Choice of fucking horror movies. Right? It's the hell so is that shit? crazy. Yeah. I really wanted to figure out. I've always wondered how this movie got made because it's a, a horror movie. It's not a Hollywood movie, but it's I know so it star-studded and Hollywood made. Tell me.
2: Well, number one, Macaulay Culkin had just come off the Home Alone movies, right. which made a shitload of money, made him a star. The problem was there was nowhere for him to go. You know, he I think his agent or whoever was like, we need to get you into more, you know, dramatic movies. You we know get you his agent was? Here.
1: No his horrible dad Kit Culkin was his agent so that explains S- a lot so they were just kind of going to rush him right into Home Alone 2 and right. his dad was like well hold on now all of a sudden I'm a Hollywood agent for my son right. I want to throw some star power around right and that's exactly how that happened the good son had been floating around Hollywood for years mm-hmm. and you know there, they they, it had been stopped and started and you know people would have interested in it and then lose interested in it yeah. and Kit Culkin got a hold of this script and was like this is the movie Mice son is going to make this is gonna take him into a different territory and they were like eh, it's not really a good idea he's kind of like america's kid you know right. like, let's just let's just do home alone two, and he was like he's not doing home alone two unless he does the good son it's the good son of all things right you now he saw the script and so they were like fine he can fucking make the good son but then coltkin was like i want rewrites on the script uh, who knows what the original script was right. because i mean pretty much it's a remake of the bad seed that could have been a good movie Mm -hmm. you know i mean it's been a great movie yeah exactly and with macaulay culkin it could have been a great movie sure the good son is not a good movie by any stretch Mm -mm. of the imagination because it's a horrible mashup of like cult horror cinema Mm -hmm. and hollywood and those two things don't go together right I'm not sure if The Good Son killed off Kids That Kill Movies for a while, but based on my research, there were really only three notable ones in the next 10 years. Okay. There was the Unnecessary Remake of Village of the Damned from 1995, Mm -hmm. Daddy's Girl from 1996, and Milo from 1998. Hmm. But then all of a sudden, a new type of Kids That Kill genre was flourishing with the rise of the Japanese horror wave of the late 80s, which gave horror in general some new life. Okay. Japanese horror films like One Missed Call, Audition, and Ichi the Killer have had gotten popular, and one movie in particular was one of the first to be remade in America, and that, of course, became the Naomi Watts horror classic, The Ring. Yeah. Have you heard about this videotape that kills you when you watch it? You start to play it, and it's
0: like somebody's nightmare. And as soon as it's over, your phone rings. And what they say is, you will die in seven days. I've watched it. It was a week
1: ago. First off, The Ring is a terrific film, Anyway you slice it. Mm-hmm. Most of the Japanese remakes are shit, but not this one. Rough plot, although I think everyone in the world has seen it. Some teenagers die seven days after watching a scary, weird VHS tape. Mm-hmm. One of the girl's cousins or something is a reporter, that's Naomi Watts, and she tries to figure out what killed them. In the process, she finds the video and watches it and realizes she's going to die. Then her son accidentally watches it, and that's when the real kind of race for time starts happening. Yeah. The long and short is that she finds out the tape came from a girl with a power that could burn horrible images into people's minds, and so she was murdered. So she burned her images into a videotape, and now anyone that watches it will take on the curse, and it gets passed around like that. Right. Do you love The Ring? Yeah, no, it's great. I I, enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, no, it's a great movie. The main thing that makes it so scary, besides the kind of crazy twist ending, Mm-hmm. is that the little girl that comes crawling out of the well and then at the end comes crawling out of a guy's TV she's super fucking scary mm-hmm. that scared the shit out of a lot a lot of people including me you right. know, she's got her hair all on her face and her body moves all weird numerous directors would be inspired by the scary little girls after the success of the ring uh, on a budget of 50 million made 250 million worldwide so it's one of the highest grossing horror films of all time yeah and since it was so crazy successful we've seen a ton of kids that kill movies practically every horror trailer I've seen since 2002 has a scary kid whispering something scary or jumping out at someone or you know whatever
2: it's most like ghost kids seems to be the big thing yeah just like turns like
1: every horror movie has got some scary little kid in it
2: well and they adopt that whole thing now like put the Guys remake i don't know if i'm you know, stealing your thunder or not no but that whole J horror i have the long hair twitchy movement the Yeah, camera that, like, twitch, like spider that's movement that's like in every fucking movie now yeah it's to the point where now it's played out it was original in the ring
1: and some of the few early movies that did it yeah and now that's just a, a trope that's kind of tired well i made a little list so here's a few of them oh goody hide and seek from 2005 mm-hmm. wicked little things the french film them from 2006 mm-hmm. whisper the orphanage one of our favorites, Trick or Treat, did have kind of a... She was she was a good... Uh, it, was, it was a little girl. It was a little, little boy. Scary, a little boy, yeah. With the little pumpkin head yeah. mask thing. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. That was kind of cool. That was cool. Joshua, the movie The Children from 2008, I could really go on forever. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. really, every movie's got a scary kid. Mm-hmm. But then a foreign film came out and really relaunched the Kids That Kill genre along with the vampire genre. That movie was Let the Right One In in 2008. Oh yeah, great movie. Let the Right One In was a quiet Swedish film about a bullied little boy that meets a little girl that lives in the same apartment building. They become friends and then eventually kind of boyfriend and girlfriend, and then it becomes apparent that she must drink blood to survive and can't go out in the daylight. Mm-hmm. So he starts helping her get blood. I didn't remember this from when I saw it the first time, but did you did you remember that the little girl was actually a little boy and that he was castrated oh they show a very
2: quick thing like, once she's switching clothes and the little, and the, the little boy who's like her, her friend sees that she's got a scar yeah, yeah. they don't mention again I know it's never brought up again it's a quick thing I that Totally, you, you blink you'll miss
1: it Yeah, and then you're like what the fuck did I just see yeah so I guess since he's a vampire that's been castrated that's been around for hundreds of, hundreds years. And hundreds of years he was somehow castrated I don't know it's super interesting yeah Anyway, the crazy kind of finale is that the Swedish kid is in a... He's in a pool, like a school pool. And the bullies are like basically drowning him, holding his head under. Right. And she comes to save him, but you don't know she's coming. Mm -mm. And she kind of really quietly kills all of them except one and then they kind of escape at Mm -hmm. the end and it's just I I wrote the word tender I was like it's the most tender like mass carnage scene I've ever seen it's just so subtly shot you know that if an American director had like made this movie there'd be fucking heads rolling everywhere and you'd be impaled on spikes and you know blood and guts everywhere but this was just such a subtle kind of mass carnage scene it's very quiet
2: right and it was in one shot because it showed his head under the water Yep. the camera was focused on him because mm-hmm. it was an underwater camera and then you start seeing these things happening around like on right the below surface the surface of the and, orb, and yeah. people are being dragged in it and then you see like heads his, and, and, his and the hands drops, drops down, drops down. Yeah, so it's a great it's, it's a really great so well shot scene and then when you come back out of the pool it's this carnage all over the fucking place yeah it was really great yeah it was, it was awesome
1: so the movie was remade it was called let me in an american version i never saw it i didn't either yeah it got great reviews and everyone was i think very pleasantly surprised that they had actually kept the subtleties and and the silence of the first film i just when i see something that's really great and then they remake it in america i'm kind of like i don't really need to see that
2: and i don't know if it was shot for shot but i think it was close enough
1: yeah that bothers me too because it's made for people who
2: can't be bothered with subtitles right and I feel like that's just a whole movie cynicism that I don't like to take part in
1: completely agreed and I'm cynical as fuck so that should tell you something yeah I'm gonna rattle off a few titles so stop me if you hear anything you care about okay babysitter wanted nope Orphan, Case Thirty Nine from two thousand nine. Don't know it. I'm pretty sure that was the one of the last movies that. What's that squinty eyed actress? That's Renee Zellweger. That (laughs) Zellweger made, and it was (laughs) like your description. Huge bomb. Good old squinty eye. Yeah, the new daughter from two thousand nine. Come out and play. Hmm. Fear lives here. The Unbroken. I I barely. I I was just like, I don't care about any of these. I missed these uh, apparently. But luckily, there is kind of one really great movie that I'm going to kind of end on that was recent. And that movie was Goodnight Mommy from 2014. Mm -mm. Did you see this one? No, I did not. So I saw it in the theater. It's actually a little bit different than the genre. It's an Austrian film from 2014. It's about twin boys that's mother gets home from a surgical face procedure, and they begin to believe that it's not her under the bandages. Oh, wow. This is actually a medical disorder called Capgris delusion, which is when a person holds a delusion that a friend, spouse, parent, other close family member has been replaced by an identical looking imposter. You know, that's kind of the thing that you yeah. hear about. That's like a paranoia, you know, type of disorder that you hear about in like The X-Files, you know? Yeah, sure. Anyway, they tie her down to get her to tell her the truth, eventually super gluing her mouth shut so she can't scream. It's And it's the most grueling scene of her trying to get it open. Then they've got to cut her, cut uh, her mouth open to get it out. I won't spoiler the ending, but it's a pretty good twist. And essentially for a movie with a cast of three people, Two of which are, you know, very young twin boys. It's yeah. a pretty great, quiet, you know, but really interesting movie. Not my favorite movie of all time, but you know, it was kind of genre-defying. It gives me some hope that a kids that kill movie could kind of come out that's a little fresh. You know? Right. Right. Yeah. All right, that's pretty much where I stopped again for our listeners. I've skipped a lot of the kind of straight to VHS, straight to Netflix, you know, kind of kids that kill movies just because there's so many of them. And and I didn't see anything that really stuck out of the genre except the movies that we kind of went in today. So that's my episode. What do you think? I thought it was great. These movies are
2: incredible. But there's two things I wanted to bring up that made me think of that, that you didn't mention. Mm -hmm. Um, I know your focus was mostly on like murderous kids, Mm -hmm. but there was a movie called uh, Cloak and Dagger. And I think it was from like 1983. And it started a post-ET Henry Thomas. So uh-huh. he was still a kid. He might have Just been 11. Just watched E.T., yeah. Okay, so he has this imaginary friend who's like his hero. It's like an action star named, I forgot what the guy's name is, but it's played by Dabney Coleman. He has a beret on. For sure. And he always has this vision of, and he's sort of telling him what to do. It's like a uh, his version of freaking Tyler Durden, you know, because uh-huh. he sees his vision. Right, right. So he gets wrapped up in this conspiracy that has something to do with these plans in a video game because it's 1983. Mm-hmm. Anyway, these p- assassins are trying to kill this. Little kid, and there's a point where he grabs one of their guns and he has to like kill one or two of them, so he shoots somebody. So it's really Henry Thomas is, you know, 11 shooting motherfuckers. like the of ET, or, yeah. yeah, was is shooting people in this conspiracy theory because in this conspiracy film, yeah. So, yeah, that's what's that's, that movie again? It's called Cloak and Dagger. Cloak I and think Dagger. it's on Netflix, maybe. Okay, cool. And then there was a South Park episode that made fun of Children of the Corn, yeah. And I forgot what happened, but the adults all left town for something, yeah. And the kids were stuck in town, and this couple comes in there and they do all the tropes of the you know they have everything from like logan's run type of death ceremonies to we have your woman outlander
1: yeah you know that kind of thing so i feel like that was better than the movie the children of the corn i agree with that that, i think so too yeah again not cutting on children of the corn the story was terrific yeah the story was terrific but the movie didn't translate it very well yeah i actually think that i remember and i didn't write this down but i'm pretty sure that stephen king wrote the original draft of the movie and then they were like hmm Let's ruin it. Let's yeah. mess it all up. Let's lighten
2: up. it up a little bit because the 80s and we don't know any better.
1: Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that was my episode it was on great. I kids loved it. that kill. Good. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I feel like I've kind of pretty much tapped this out now. I've done devil dolls, bad babies, kids that kill. It's basically anything unexpected that comes to life and and kills you. <laughs> I feel like this was kind of like a weird trilogy yeah. that I feel like I'm done with now. Maybe terrible teenagers, terrible teenagers. That would be Terrifying Everything. Teenager. Yeah, that would be yeah all of life. Yeah, there's so, so many out point. there. I'd have to get super super micro. I think on something. That's you know? true. Yeah. But this was actually a fun episode when I was first doing it. I was like, ooh, is this going to be too scary and adult? Once I started looking at the real Kids That Kill. But it's like, there were like three, and I was like, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah.
2: All right. I know. I thought it was great. Uh, I really enjoyed it. So thanks, late. Good. Oh, hey, one more thing before we go. I'm going to hijack this last piece here. And I'm going to ask all the listeners out there to do us a quick favor. So as you know, we're preparing season four right now. We're doing our research and coming up with topics. And so what we'd like to do is ask you guys what you think would make a good topic for our show. So if you have any ideas, go to iTunes, find us in the podcast section, and go into ratings and reviews part of that, and then you know fill out like you're doing a review, but go ahead and put any topic you think would make a good episode of our show. So you can just type in something like chlamydia, fart jokes, or spam, or whatever the fuck, we we don't care. Put something in there you think would be cool. And we'll go through all of them and we'll pick one. And if we like it, we'll research it and we'll actually air it in season four. And we'll give you a high five and a mad shout out and say, thanks, you're awesome. Your topic was the shit and we'll be in your debt forever. So if you could do us that favor, that'd be awesome. We'd love to hear your ideas and we're willing to go forth and make a kick-ass episode out of it. So there you go. Okay, back to
1: you, Slate. Well, thanks, everyone. We will see you next week.
2: All right, see you next time. Thanks for listening to Slums of Film History. You can find us on the web at slumsoffilmhistory.com where you can find links to some of the movies we talked about today, along with pictures, videos, and additional resources, as well as Sunday Slum Day,
1: our weekly recommendation for the best and sometimes worst films every Sunday night. If you want to keep up with us, we're on Facebook and Twitter where we share out a lot of additional content. And as always, please fact check us and let us know if we left anything out. We're not professionals, just two friends that love gross movies.
2: Yeah, it's good. You like it? You, you happy with it? You want to do it again? You always mm-hmm. want to do it again. Mm-hmm. Right.